You've reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys, and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. Welcome back in the new year for the Geek's Watch. That's right, we're back. We don't have a show to talk about right now, because we're waiting for WandaVision on Disney+. Plus. Uh, so we figured... We would go over what it is that we watched over the holiday season. We were off for two weeks, and uh, is it two weeks? Three weeks. Something like that. Listen, when when we <laughs> left you last, we had a different president. <laughs> like, the, like, the 45th president was still using Twitter. It's It's been a couple weeks, guys. 2020 finally ended 2021 i'm not a fan after this trial run it's not 2021 it's december 37 2020 like you can't okay okay. it's not the new year until (laughs) january's the bleed over month yeah (laughs) yes so that's what it is um yeah yeah we uh decided since the last episode was going over the three episodes of of uh what was the name of that show? The Mandalorian? Was it, was it going over three episodes or was it just the season finale? No, we did just the season finale because the three episodes was for our 200th episode, which was before the oh, season finale. Right. Okay. But yes. we yeah. went over, ju- I think we went over just the, the season finale, right? We didn't do yeah. a Geek's Watch or yeah. Week's Watch. So now we have lots of Week's Watch to built up and ready to talk about. So... We're going to do just that this week. Everybody's going to talk about all the great things they've been watching, (laughs) reading, playing, listening to, and occupying their time during the holiday season. Yes. (laughs) So, as always, Elizabeth, you first. (laughs) It's always good that you have me go first because I always have the shortest amount of stuff because I don't watch things unless this group goes, hey, you're now going to watch this. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, it's just Food Network or HGTV because I'm boring like that. Um, So in the month since our last week's watch, I have exactly three things that I watched. Okay. (laughs) The first was Die Hard 4. Because, yep. So that's the one where they do the fire sale. That's right. Um, live free or die hard. Yes, live free or die hard. Sure thing. Yep. <laughs> that's the title. <laughs> that's the title. We're going with it. Um, so everybody knows about that. It, mostly, it's just been rewatches. Uh, then I we did binge watch uh, Las Vegas because E was having a marathon of it. <laughs> Over the New Year's. <laughs> That's right. And I love that show. 
That show is is so. I mean, I liked it when it was on, and I yeah. enjoyed doing the rewatch. But it is so bad. Like for something that's less than fifteen years old. Well, I guess it is around fifteen years old. Uh, like there is some very like the episode where they have a um, HR guy come talk about like. Hey, sexual harassment sexual harassment having uh-huh. relations in the workplace like it's not a good thing and like danny who is now in a relationship with delinda who you know they both work for the the casino he's like hey listen don't listen to that guy he's a he's a nerd um me and delinda are in a relationship if anybody has a problem with that they can come see me about it basically like just like Totally dismissing all <laughs> of all yes. that sexual harassment and being like, be a cool guy and don't report us. <laughs> the, the, the entire show would lead me to believe they would take exactly that attitude about any HR related things. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. no, exactly. Like it's just it's it's so ridiculously over the top, and it is so it so plays into the concept of Vegas being, you know, Mob City. and Mob City and, and uh, only beautiful people are there. Yes. It's the only people that exist in Las Vegas is either workers or visitors. It's just beautiful people. Yeah. And, yeah. and everybody's beautiful. Yes. No, all workers have to be models and all visitors also have to be models. Um, <laughs> which, having spent most of my childhood visiting Vegas as I have a significant amount of family there, not really the way that works, but that's okay. <laughs> um, it's like a bunch of tired people I, who change out every couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, I feel like I watched that show, but all I remember from it was this one specific scene in which a guy was complaining because the spa charged him double on a bikini wax for his wife. And the spa had to say, no, it was double because we needed more wax <laughs> for your wife. That is literally all I remember about that show, and I'm pretty sure I watched a lot of it. Like, <laughs> it's just that vivid bikini wax scene yeah. of the small lady going, "No, no, 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 no! We needed like four pads to do her. Like just, you don't understand. This is what you're charged. <laughs> I'm sorry." Yeah, I, think I do not remember this scene, and I also watched a lot of the show. <laughs> I think some of my favorite episodes are the one where Delinda's Amish cousin comes for his romp springer. <laughs> of course. I, I oh, quite enjoyed I that one. That. I enjoy the one where Sam has to go deal with her uh, whale who is being charged with the murder of a prostitute um, and mm. was framed by the other realtor in Hawaii. Yeah, those are probably some of my top favorites. Yeah, because, you know, the casino has also a, a resort, resort in, in Hawaii. Hawaii. Yep. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> Even though you can't gamble there. So why a casino owns that, I don't know. But sure, go with it. Uh, one of the things that I found super disturbing about watching the, the show on this rewatch marathon thing. So one of the things I remember about watching it originally when it was on air is the theme song, the intro theme song for when it was on NBC was Elvis Presley's A Little Less Conversation. That remix that came out. Yeah, the Junkie XL remix. Yeah. That was the hot ticket on the radio. (laughs) Well, In 2003. (laughs) Yeah, I guess because of some kind of rights thing, like they don't play that song for the the syndicated version like it's just this oh, weird what? like yeah, yeah it's it's a weird like just generic sound song in the background 
So I'm like, why is this weird? Why is it like this? Why? And so I had to go look it up, and it's just like they, <laughs> they don't have the rights to play it in syndication. So they had to wow. come up with a new theme song just for syndication. Now, to, des- to describe <laughs> the different types of viewers that Mitch and I were are, I was like, hmm. I like this. <laughs> and I just moved right along. Not a problem. And Mitch is sitting there just stewing about the fact that they changed the theme song and I could care less. I, I'm with Mitch on this one. I have a bone to pick with Brooklyn Nine-Nine <laughs> because they changed the song, the theme song, in the tiniest of ways over the course of the show. And it, oh, I don't know why they did it. Frustrates me to no end. Nine nine. <laughs> nine nine. Yeah, but um, so. So speak, but before we move on, because yeah. no one talked about "Live Free or Die Hard," and I just want to say that oh, it, you okay. know, uh, Timothy. I mean, Olif- it's "Live Free or Die Hard." I, I don't know what else to say. Like it's Timothy Oliphant, like joining <laughs> yeah. the cast of Die Hard. <laughs> yeah, he was a hacker, right? And he fell in yes. love with with his the daughter. Yes. Who was oh, stuck in the... That was Justin Long, yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah, Justin Long falls in love with Bruce, Bruce Willis's, Willis's daughter. daughter. Yeah, that was when I got a crush on Justin Long. Well, yeah, <laughs> we all did. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I like this hacker type. <laughs> He's so greasy in the movie, too. <laughs> that was There's the look, then. That him. was I'm the sorry. look. I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I had really... <laughs> I don't. I don't know how Justin Long's career is going to ever like continue past. I don't know, like now or like the next five years, because he hasn't changed in what they cast him as. Oh, has they has they cast him in anything in a while? Like I don't remember the last time. The last time I remember seeing him was like that guest star spot thing and like New Girl. Oh yeah, and that's still playing the same kind of character. That's a quirky person. Yeah. As I was say, the last thing I remember him in was, oh, it's got to be, oh, it mm, was he in one of the new Kevin Smith movies? Oh yeah, he was in Walrus. That was the last thing I saw him in. Oh, the hit film Walrus, Tusk. Tusk. That's right, not Walrus, but yes. Yeah. I mean, he was Kevin Smith movies in, are uh, never any like hit films, so. <laughs> he was in the the reboot. Oh yeah, that's right. He was in the reboot. I still haven't watched that. I don't know. Yeah. Just, oh no. Just keep your memory of the old movies if you like the old movies. Like that's <laughs> that's the best. Diminishing like returns. One. Yeah, he's just. I didn't he, like the first one. You didn't like the first Jason Bob. Mm-mm. That's fine. You didn't, I mean, I like it, but Mallrats. I think you guys were the right age group for it. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly <clears throat> exactly what it was. Okay, sorry. I just no, needed to go okay. back to <laughs> Die Hard because you don't just breeze over Die Hard. Even the fifth one, still good. I, I watched them because <laughs> you enjoy watching them. <laughs> My father, brother, male cousins enjoy watching them, so they always get played around the holidays at family functions. <laughs> I mean, yes, they're good action movies. That's about as far as I go. Okay. <laughs> So, but the last one is probably my favorite thing we watched over the holiday break, and that is the annual Big Fat Quiz of the Year. 
uh, from the BBC. Does anybody what? else? Yeah. Does nobody else watch this? No, no, I don't know what it oh, is. Oh, you what is absolutely this? have to watch this. So the way it operates. Um, so uh, Jimmy Carr, John. Jimmy, Jimmy Carr. Carr. Jimmy Carr. Okay, thank you. I'm, that's what I wanted to say, but I was like, that doesn't sound right in my head right now. Jimmy Carr hosts it every year, and they do four teams of two celebrities. Three this teams. Sh- three teams of two celebrities. Oh. This year, they had them six feet apart. Normally, they're sitting right next to each other. Um, and they, it's basically like a comedy quiz show mm-hmm. just over everything that has occurred in the world over the year. So you do a round on like events that happened. So like, can you remember this one obscure tagline that was the British, you know, COVID motto for staying safe in the sixth round? Or can you remember what Donald Trump tweeted in November 23rd? You know, so just... Random things like that. It's absolutely hilarious. I highly enjoy it because it's almost always British comedians and actors and actresses, and I enjoy British humor. Yeah, usually it's it's all like six are usually uh, British or not six. It's like five of them are British comedians. One of them is usually an American, but I don't think they could get an American over there this year because no. of COVID. It's harder. Yeah, uh, the last team is usually Noel. Um, Fielding yeah. and Richard Iowide, but uh, yeah, this year. Noel wasn't there, but Richard was. Um, yeah. Um, so this year it was David Mitchell, who's there often. Yeah. And Maya jo- Hama? 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 Sure. Uh, James Acaster and Stacey Solomon, Joe Lissette, and Richard Iowide. 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 But yeah. So and it's it's basically a pub quiz just yeah. on the on the main stage no no real drinking and and uh, all kinds of different funny stuff and they have guests come in to to do stuff Charles Dance always reads from some celebrity's um, biography from that year that came out that year and you, they have to guess okay. who it is that he's whose okay. book he's reading from. And they like always have they always have a group of fourth graders run a little skit of some event that happened in the year, and oh the teams God. have to guess what, the what they're acting event. out. Yeah, <laughs> oh, see, I like never heard of this. Yeah, this sounds wonderful. So <laughs> go to insane. YouTube, look up the Big Fat Quiz, and you'll find uh, either Big Fat Quiz of 2020, or you can go back further years. But they're usually up there on YouTube for us to watch <laughs> since we don't have. BBC channels. Yeah, it started in 2004 was the first year that they did the yearly end ones. Mm. Um, and oh. then they've done some big, because it just used to be the big fat quiz of everything. Well, they, yeah, they have those still. They still have those, but then they do one just for the whole year. Mm-hmm. So it's hmm. highly entertaining. It's a great watch. Um, I thoroughly enjoy it, it every year. <laughs> it reminds me of a show I watch on Britbox, yeah, Britbox. I think it's called the Q. Oh, QI or something like that. Yeah, QI. QI. There we go. Yes, it yeah. reminds me a lot like that. Does it have the same feel of very much the same bunch, feel? Yeah, a bunch of comedians answering these random trivia questions based off of a letter. Usually, is the theme. Mm-hmm. So if it's R, it's all things that deal with words well, that start with R. Quiz stuff. So they do a season per letter. 
and then they do a word per show. Yeah, word per show. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. So I was binging those for a while. I need to go back. I just, I love, I also love British humor. So, yeah. And I think Netflix tried to do an American version of it, but with Jimmy Carr as the host. I think it's just called Quiz, but I have to look it up again. It wasn't as good. Eh. I'm just glad they didn't try to get Joel McHale to host it. <laughs> I mean, Joel McHale's great, so I don't know why you would have an issue with that. I like Joel McHale. Just. Stop having them host things. <laughs> <laughs> the fix. That's what it was called. The fix. Oh, okay. Yeah. It sounds like Probably not as funny. Me. It was not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it no, sounds so like Joel McHale. The big fat quiz of the year. Highly entertaining. Definitely worth the watch. It's only an hour? Uh, it might hour be. It's a, a little bit. Yeah, it's an hour and a half. Because I think. Well, they. Yeah, because they have commercials. So it's supposed to be two yeah. hours, but with com- without commercials, it's an hour and a half. But definitely what? worth the watch. This is a tangent. But what happened to that quiz app that everyone lost their minds over for so long? HQ. Yeah, what happened to HQ Trivia? Uh it was a <laughs> something happened. I think I think they gave out like they did a really big uh prize one time and then after that I think everybody kind of just like let, left it left it. Like it just p- petered out. Huh. I liked it. That, honestly, that was the most. That was the closest to like a communal television experience that <laughs> I think people have had in a long time. Like working at the TV station, ev- everything would stop. Really, <laughs> the whole building. Everyone was just sitting there doing trivia. I tried to do it, but like I don't know. I always got the alerts too late for when the thing was going to happen or something like that. Yeah. So it just I was like, oh well, I've already missed most of it or something like I don't know. So it never really worked for me. I was like, ah, I'm okay. Yes, the, that's the total of the three things that I watched. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, there, that's YouTube, E! Entertainment, and, and my own collection of yeah, and DVDs. DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> Have fun finding those things. <laughs> Steven, moving on to you. What is it you watched over the holiday season? Uh, so, yeah, um, I have a list because I am... I just moved in for like the first time with my my significant other, my mm-hmm. girlfriend. So obviously nights are spent like we make dinner, we eat dinner together, watch something on TV, like you do. So uh, we've gotten to watch a lot of random stuff that's new, <clears throat> and it's not common for me for some of these shows. I watch a lot of random shows, <laughs> to be clear, um, but these ones I, I don't think I would have approached recently or normally. So. Um, we watched, uh, I guess, we, we, we watched Bridgerton. Ooh, mm-hmm. I haven't which, heard good things. You said you haven't or have? I have not. Yeah, I think that depends on who you are as a person. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. I was I was pretty much done after two episodes. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I even watched it more than once. Um, it's not it's not like a like a demographic kind of thing. I think it's also it falls down to like humor as well. Mm. You know. Mm. Well, this is um, Shonda no. Rhimes' first show after leaving her deal with ABC, which is <clears throat> big, pretty big in that world. Oh, absolutely. Shonda Rhimes. And you, honestly, did you say you the hate story? Shonda Rhimes? Huh? Did you say yeah, you hate... I do not. I don't hate her. No, I, I will not say I'm... I'm I, I, I have issues with her writing style ah. in, in drama shows. She's too much of a dramatic writer for me. It's okay. a taste thing. I won't say I hate her. She's a very successful person. Like clearly she's 
good at whatever she does. It's just <laughs> not my cup of tea. <laughs> this one, I would say it's not, it's not like every two episodes, some crazy thing is happening where someone's going to die. It's not that. It's not yeah. Grey's Anatomy or anything. It's not Okay, thank gosh. Because I believe it's still an adaptation of books. It I is. Believe. Yes. Um, so, yeah, this one, the, the humor is still good. Um, but honestly, the thing that I came away with liking the most was something that I told my two love of pages, guest hosts, mm-hmm. or guest co-hosts, co-hosts, um, <laughs> Uh, was the parts where they have modern music in there as string quartet adaptations of those things. Mm. I liked that. So like hearing it and I was like, is this is Ariana Grande. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like like, those parts. It's like in a night's tale when they had David Bowie. Honestly. Yeah. Okay. Um, The thing that uh, Naima was telling someone as like kind of like the Venn diagram of things that makes up this show was 90 day fiance gossip girl pride and uh, prejudice and a uh, few other things in there. But I think those are the top ones for that. I like one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, that was good still, even though I didn't want to stick with it or anything. Um, the other thing that we watched very close to it that I would pair with it, but I did not like it all was Dickinson. On oh, Plus. okay. Really? I did not like that. I was going to say, I hadn't heard anything about it, but I know that they got a second season, so. That's because Apple the, doesn't have anything. Couple, <laughs> that's true. No, there's a couple bright spots in there that are better than other moments, but it really feels really bad. And I don't know, Mitch, we've talked about this before, but I have a problem with <laughs> like so, uh, some things that certain actors will do that were on the show 30 rock where I can only take it as being like, it's from a skit uh-huh. on TGS on 30 rock. Right. And <laughs> in there, um, I, I forget her name right now, but the lady who plays Jenna Maroney on 30 rock, um, she only comes off. Like she's still being Jenna Maroney playing somebody <laughs> in like the rural juror. I mean, it's really bad. That's kind of how she was in, um, in unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Also, like she just comes off as playing the same character. It's bad. <laughs> um, then uh, I guess to continue the streaming service kind of new stuff things, uh, we watched the final season of Sabrina. Okay. Huh. That was fine. I've heard that people were very upset the way that it ended. Or that's, just that it fair. ended. I I don't know what's going on with the endings of a lot of shows that have ended recently. <laughs> and we can't blame it all on like COVID restrictions <laughs> that made them cut things short in filming. Uh, it's fine, but I think that's kind of how I felt after I think, after the first season of Sabrina anyway. So, more of the same. The parts I was like, oh, cool, I want to see what happens next, and then I couldn't care less for the next, like, half hour. So, um, is that show, like, worth watching? I mean, you went through all four seasons. Like, is it mm-hmm. is it is it a worthwhile watch? If you're cleaning the house one day, you need something on the background, <laughs> go ahead. Oh. Okay. Okay. Yeah, like that's pretty much the best thing I can say for it. I put it on when I don't have something else and I run out of Stargate episodes to watch on rewatch. <laughs> <laughs> All of Stargate, Stargate, and then Stargate, like Atlantis, and then Stargate Universe. Like you went through all yep. that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I love Stargate, Mitch. I don't, I don't watch the last two seasons of Stargate SG1 because the, the stuff with the Ori, it's dumb. But Atlantis is fine. And then Universe has Robert Carlyle in it. So I'll watch it forever. <laughs> He's one of my favorite actors, like all time. 
don't Did know you watch is. Once Upon a Time? No. Why not? No, he was still he was still one of the best parts of that series when I did. I tried for him. I okay. Tried. All right. <laughs> um, and I'm a person who owns a, a volume of the Jonas Brothers TV show on DVD. So. Well, because he was in it. No. Oh. Okay. But that, that's just how, how low my bar can be. Got sometimes. you. Got you. I got it. <laughs> uh, then I, the last thing from Netflix was that uh, we watched the best leftovers ever. It's this reality show oh. competition show where they had to take leftovers and then make it into different kinds of food. It's like chopped, but with a leftover box or something. Yes, from different Sounds families' fair. houses. Yeah. But yeah, no. Honestly, the thing that's the thing that's craziest about the show is their set design. I don't know how they got the money to make the set look as crazy as they did. Like the entire desk thing that the people, the, the three judge people sit at, um, it's yeah. all like big Tupperware containers stacked. Oh, cute. <laughs> Everything in there is gorgeous in set design. Like someone just had money and someone was willing to do something for cheaper also. Because there's not a lot else that goes on with that show. But hmm. that one's fun to watch. If you're making dinner, I'd say put that on in the background. Hmm. Fun. Uh, people make a lot of gnocchi when they get dealt French fries. <laughs> I mean, it's easy, right? Oh, yeah. That's, that's easy. Yeah. That's, potatoes, potatoes. That's a guarantee, yeah. I mean, I don't know why. I mean, I kind of know why, but, like, I know that nobody here watched it, but on the now... Um, the now defunct platform Quibi. Yes, that's actually what I was going to say. The now <laughs> defunct platform Quibi. Uh, there was the cooking show where they shot food at chefs from through an air cannon and they had to figure uh, out just by that quick taste of whatever it was that was shot into their face what it was and then yeah. recreate it no. i'm still mad i i, I feel like Qu- why was Quibi was the, the wild wild west everyone should have gotten a show on quibi and they just took the lowest worst ones <laughs> it was the ones oh, that they could make for the cheapest because they were like we got two billion dollars. Let's see what we can make. Throw everything. I, I could have done better. Also, isn't uh, someone's buying like the bones of Quibi? I forget who though. Yeah, but someone so, is. Someone is trying to buy the the whole catalog. Uh, I forget who it was too. Someone. So I I Netflix. posted. Huh? Is it Netflix? It's not Netflix. It would make sense. No. Honestly, I wouldn't even be surprised if they took some of those though. I mean, if they could, it'd be great. Like if they could do the movies, like I. I was spouting the whole time that the movies were probably the best thing out of the whole the whole thing but um i don't i don't remember who it was i feel like it might have been it would, it would have been someone smaller but maybe it was amazon it was, Prime. It, i don't know weird. it was something weird i remember that much yeah that's what i thought too so i can't find well. anything on it other than they're trying to get somebody to buy them i don't see anybody actually interested though Mm. From the articles that pop up on a quick, they're being bought by they're being bought by movie pads. No, jeez. <laughs> um, but no. So, uh, getting into I guess more like substantial things. Um, I did I did watch Tenet. Ooh, yeah. Wow. Um, Tenet was uh, it was a lot all at once. Like <laughs> as every single review that you'll see on the internet will say. It's a lot at once, but without getting into any spoiler stuff or anything, I still came away like not feeling like I got a lot. I don't know. Okay. You, that um, you didn't get a lot? 
yeah, I, I didn't take a lot away from the experience. Like, you know, sometimes you'll leave a movie and, uh, or even like a TV show, read a book or anything. And you're just obsessed with that idea for all like mm-hmm. all this time afterwards. To this day, I still think of the implications of the watch from Clockstoppers. Yes. <laughs> Forever. Like, that's never going to go away for me. Tenet was something that was so much of an idea. And I, I'm done after having talked to you and Alex about it. I'm, I don't think I'll have to talk to anyone else about it ever again. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I, I, there's definitely a lot of other people you can listen to talk about this movie, but it, the, it looks great. It looks amazing. Like oh, you yeah. can sit there and watch it. It's, it's Christopher Nolan. You know, it's, it's shot really well and it's done like with a lot of amazingly practical effects and stuff like that. But it's it's about as character driven as a technical manual for your VCR. Like there yeah. is absolutely no character development in this movie. And like even in the writing of the thing, there's one character who just consistently refers to themselves like aggressively saying, "I'm the protagonist." <laughs> <laughs> that's it. And that's how he's credited in the, in the credits. That's that's his name, the protagonist. I you're kidding. I don't understand. It's it's like someone uh, had it, it's literally like a pitch that someone had mm-hmm. for a thing and then they just went and did a whole movie out of it with Christopher Nolan money. <laughs> I mean, this was Christopher I mean, Christopher Nolan said, "This is my James Bond. I've always wanted to make a James Bond movie and this is it." And I I, would, I was so happy because I said it to you. I was like, "I feel like this is what we would get if he made a James Bond film." And you were like, "Yeah, that's what he said." I was like, "Oh, there we go." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So don't disparage my James Bond that way. <laughs> I mean, no, it's the, that. It's that. This is the. This is the. The world is not enough. I mean, that's the, done by. That's Nolan. the bonus that you get with James Bond, though. James Bond. You don't have to have a lot of character development with James Bond because everybody oh. knows who James Bond is. Like he you, already is the character. He's like, established. Like that. This character is not established, but yet it's treated like as if you know what a CIA agent is, so you're good. Just. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. I, if anyone out there in any way, shape, or form wants to talk about this movie in depth and has already seen it, feel free to tweet at me. Um, you'll have to listen till the end to find out my Twitter handle. <laughs> um, but, like, let's talk about it. And if you really liked it, try to convince me of why you liked it so much. I would like to be a person who enjoyed this movie more. Uh, That's fair. Other other than Tenet, though, um I did want to say I played I played a new video game for the first time in a while, and it wasn't Whoa. Cyberpunk. Oh, yeah. Uh, I did, however, get a PS5. If anyone also has any suggestions wow. about what is out there that's that takes advantage of the next generation hardware that you liked, tell Squadron. me. Buried the I lead. Have Squadron. Buried the lead. Valhalla. Valhalla. Miles Morales. Play, so just pretty. play Miles Morales. Yeah, no, Valhalla. I've just never been like a uh, an Assassin's Creed kind of person. But, but from what I understand, Valhalla is really good, though. Yeah, it's it's gorgeous. It's probably the best of the Assassin's Creed games. Mm-hmm. And I love Greek. I loved the last one too. It seems like every one I'm like, they keep on one upping themselves. That is one and of the they're, things. They're taking I'm more time too. To. Yeah. Oh, nice. Oh yeah, and it's it's just it's so gorgeous. Like just walking around the world, it's just beautiful. And I'm on like a 
360 with a, I don't know, it's an HD monitor, but it's not the best monitor. So it's, and it's gorgeous for me. So okay. I would definitely suggest that one. If, especially if you like Viking lore or, you know, Celt lore, stuff like that. It's, it's filled with a bunch of history too. So okay. I'd recommend it. Um, but, you know, Miles Morales, I keep eyeing, like, do I do it? Do I, it'll go on sale at some point and I'll save like $10. I don't need to save the $10, but for some reason I'm holding out, like I need to save the $10. You're, you're holding out because you want to get all the, the costumes, like with the DLC, like you will already be on there kind of thing. I get it. That's what I do. I, I do like those things, except I did, I didn't get a, I got the discless version of the PS5, so I could never buy a disc thing for it. Oh, that's fair. Oh, so it'll it, be interesting. Um, but no, uh, the game that I played is a game called Going Under, uh, and it's this, it's this indie game. The whole story for it, it's like 20 bucks out there because it's an indie game. But the whole thing is that you're this person who, <clears throat> in a, a this place that's very like tech hub kind of place, there's all these different startups, and all of them are kind of just like... They're all owned by one giant company that keeps having the startups like pop up, die, pop up, die, all within it, so they can take the little piece of technology to integrate into other things that they own. You know, it's it's all just like like vertical movement between the stuff. Um, and in in this thing, you take this job to become like a graphic designer kind of marketing person for them, but you get into the business and the boss guy's like, yeah, no, okay, cool. Um, what was the job that you were here for again? Oh, okay, no, cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's go to the first meeting and then they just promptly, you don't even get to do the job that you're supposed to be doing for them and you just get sent down into these like lower levels of the place <laughs> uh, and it's a dungeon crawler for <laughs> you to go through randomly generated, procedurally generated dungeons and stuff <laughs> fighting all these different dudes below the plates called joblins sounds like uh, work to me <laughs> and, and they're all people who are from like failed startups that are in oh, these God. lower levels and so you fight through all these these different places and one of the funnest parts about it is seeing whatever kind of business you're going to go into in wow. there like the first place that you start off that you applied for a job for is a place that's basically like if Willy Wonka made Gobstoppers as LaCroix. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, like, it's supposed to be like a whole meal as this can thing. But it's really interesting. It's really fun. The art's nice. I don't know. It's, it's just a good time. Uh, so I recommend that. That's, that was called Going Under. Um, I didn't... Uh, did I say the platforms for all the other stuff? I think I did as I went. But... Yes, the most important thing that everyone needs to do is just five minutes out of your time. There's, there's, there's a video on YouTube right now that you can go watch. Um, <laughs> is it a trailer? It's the trailer it's a for trailer. Space Weepers, which is coming to Netflix on February 5th, everybody. February 5th. This story trailer that's out there now actually has some more substantial information. We know a little bit more about the events of the movie. And I got to tell you, it only looks better than it did before. <laughs> which is saying a lot because I've been harping on this one for months now. <laughs> I saw the trailer for it like before you tweeted it out and I was like, oh, Steven's about to have <laughs> I was still like working and doing stuff like all day for that and then I finally got to see it in the evening but crazy shit had happened in the world so I tweeted out the month of you were just that video and then February 5th. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, I wasn't going to be like, February 5th, the greatest thing is happening in the world when bad shit had just happened that day. <laughs> but yeah, YouTube, Space Sweepers, Netflix, February 5th. Do it. You can already add it to your Netflix queue. There's a placeholder thing for it. Just go ahead and do it. Trust me, it's going to be great. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that supposed to be a series or is it supposed to be a movie? It's a movie, but man, I can only hope that it becomes a lot more. Yeah. Books, video games, VR experiences, <laughs> body pillows. It's going to win an EGOT. It's going to be an EGOT. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know that it's finally reached. You know, I'm not going to finish that joke. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's going to be good. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. All right, Steven. Oh, oh. I, guess I did also watch Alice in Borderland That's- on Netflix. But I don't know if that's somebody else's or anything. Nope. Or at least not mine. Did you, are you, are you saying you enjoyed it? That's fine. That's it's, fine. it's a good time. Yeah, it, it's, it's a good time. It's an upbeat watch. If you're a person who watches a lot of TV, definitely watch it. Give it a look. Um, if you like Death Note or a lot of other things where they have like kind of like logic puzzles sometimes, mm. um, that's like, there has to be some like engaging action visuals and stuff, but I think it would work fine as a book where you're just like, oh, damn, no, they got to turn left here. No, they got to turn right. Um, I, th- I think it still works fine for that kind of thing. Hmm. But yeah, that's Alice in Borderland. Right. And don't, don't be fooled by the trailer. There is a full um, actual dub for it. Okay. There yeah. you go. Okay. Jessica, moving on to you. What did yes. you watch over the holiday season? Um, so I watched on Christmas Eve. I picked to watch a new Christmas movie I hadn't seen before, um, Klaus, on Netflix, because somebody on this podcast spoke so highly of it. And, um, yeah, it's it's probably in my top five of Christmas films. I think I'm going to have to watch it every year. It is gorgeously animated, like just so perfectly storybook animated. And it's just the lighting of it was great. And the character development is great and you laugh and you cry and it's just, it's just a wonderful Christmas movie. And it's, yeah, probably one of the better explanations of Santa Claus as well. So yes, I highly recommend Klaus and that's on Netflix and it's animated and it's great. Um, I got to know, did, did you pick up on the voice of Santa early on? I kept trying to place it and couldn't do it for the longest time. I honestly was so engrossed in the story that I didn't even bother trying to guess who was voicing what. I was just like, why is this so pretty? I was like, <laughs> I'm just like, who thought of this? That was my, I, I should have looked up who the writers were because it was such an adorable idea for why Santa Claus became Santa Claus and how mail got delivered to him. It's, it's just such a, it's just such a beautiful story. So yeah, I didn't. I didn't even catch. I got. I really liked his voice, and I recognized it, but I didn't bother to even look it up till now. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's it's interesting. Like, I think the the movie that even though it doesn't fit with it, that I kind of place it as being similar to. It's not, mm-hmm. but I really kind of put it next to Emperor's New Groove for some reason. Because there's something okay. about the way that Jason Schwartzman voices the main character. <laughs> yeah. And he goes from the whole, like, he's yes, got everything. He is very much a Cusco character. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I do see that. You, you, he is very much a Cusco character in a Christmas movie. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to lie. I've, 
absolutely loved the teacher character. Yeah. I loved her. Oh, she was great. It's just all the little random characters too. There's the, the two neighbors that fight that you realize <laughs> later on and they don't show it, but they end up dating in the end. And you're like, yeah, like this is great. These, this old couple has gotten together after fighting each other for years because of their children. And you're like, yes, I like this. It's just, it's so, it's just so cute. Everybody should watch it. Go watch it. It's not Christmas anymore, but go watch it. We could use some Christmas still. Go <laughs> we can keep it's pretending right. it's December. It's, it's fine. It's Christmas until Stephen gets his present. Oh, it's that's true. true. Until Stephen gets his, <laughs> his awesome shirt. John gifted us all the best shirts ever for Christmas and made us all feel like horrible Christmas gifters. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about. I returned the favor. Oh, I know. I, I have. I, I still need to give him his birthday slash Christmas gift. <laughs> I have no idea if John enjoyed our Christmas gift or not. I imagine he said something oh, to me. Yes, those cookies were delicious. <laughs> and uh, delicious. I, I want to try that dip mix here pretty soon. I haven't had a chance to make it yet. I so, haven't um, either. I'm excited to try it, though. But although, I did absolutely appreciate the Geekly cookies that I didn't realize were Geekly cookies until I bit it. I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. What is this design? I was like, oh, my God, it's our logo. That's you cute. Know, we, we actually had a big debate uh, with Daniel and someone else. We're like, are these water tribe symbols or something? I was like, no, it's the logo. <laughs> oh, it's the logo, yeah. Yeah, Daniel did text Mitch asking, being like, how'd you know that the water tribe's my favorite? Like, that's awesome. <laughs> what? Yeah, I had no idea. He's like, don't, don't correct them, just go with it. <laughs> so, I, I haven't brought this up before, and I didn't tell Mitch or Elizabeth about this at all. Oh, God. But I didn't know that there were the the symbol was in there on the cookies, and I have technically tried the the dip mix. Uh, technically, both beca- because uh, <laughs> because of the same reason, our cookies got like shaken up. Oh <laughs> no! So There's a bunch of broken cookies. And oh then, no! But- like uh, like a bunch of the gingerbread things kind of like pushed in against the, the mix oh. and they just tasted like the dip mix but I still ate them it was fine oh no I feel so bad oh <laughs> I mean I, c- I couldn't expect much of it for it to to survive through the mail like that's just what it is except it's some of the other people who got a only slightly damaged like i mean most of it just went to phoenix i don't know about yeah the people in well the people in, in missouri missouri received theirs and all that was missing was one of the snowmen lost a head no oh. oh. well apparently the mail Milker. delivers in seattle <laughs> just were like fuck this package this <laughs> 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 giggly piece of the shit <laughs> <laughs> oh Oh, God. They were good, though. Good. I'll have to send you some without spice mix so that you can enjoy just the cookies. I'm, I'm okay with, with the amount that we got for things, but if you want to send more, like, I'll take them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's Klaus. What else did you watch, Jessica? Um, I watch which I really can't remember if I talked about this on the last Geeks Watch or anything, but I started watching the Harley Quinn animated show on HBO Max. Yes, I think I'm halfway through it. I don't know, six episodes in, and I love it. It's hilarious. It's great. Poison Ivy is the best thing ever. (laughs) And I always liked her from Batman Forever. (laughs) So, (laughs) Um, and I like this 
I don't know. I like how graphic it is and everything. It's just, <laughs> it's a great fun show to watch. Just, just watch Harley Quinn just busting knees all over the place and making these silly mistakes. And, <laughs> and the Robin episode was just utterly hilarious. <laughs> they have such a um, great voice cast in that show. And oh, they do. The show, like, Tom King, the writer for the, uh, on the comic books right now, uh, made me enjoy uh, Kite Man uh, a lot more. And then this, this show <laughs> just man. caps it, like coming in all the time with the, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, li- I look at Kite Man and I'm like, why, why are you a villain though? Like <laughs> Every time I'm like, what? And there's like, there's an anime I watched called One Punch Man in which like he would perfectly fit in that anime because it has like a bike man hero <laughs> that drives around on a bike. <laughs> so I'm like, why is he here at the villain league party? <laughs> like, he just, so much, it's, it's hilarious. It's great. Kite Man's great. Yep. Kite Man. And Ron, Ron Funches is the King Shark and uh, who else is who else does voices on that? Oh, Alan Tudyk is the voice of Clayface. Like that is so. Oh yeah, perfect. that is Alan, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so oh good. gosh, it's it's just hilarious. It's a great take on DC villains, I think, and Harley Quinn and Joker's relationship too, and Harley. It also just Harley talking to herself before she became Harley Quinn was really cool too. Like, just be like, you know, you're in an abusive relationship, right? And she's like, well, yes. Okay, fine. Previous me. Like, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's good. Um, so that's on HBO Max, which I finally got set up, thankfully, because Roku finally got a deal with them. <laughs> oh, so. uh, just to bring up from earlier, Roku is the one that is buying the Quibi, uh, uh-huh. is intoxicated by the Quibi yeah, okay. programming. Interesting. Oh, fun. Where are they going to... Okay, fine. <laughs> um, It'll just be another uh, subscription you have to purchase. <laughs> well, it's part of Roku. They, they'll just have it available for it. Like. It'll just be on the thing yeah. for you to free download, probably. Um, I've started watching... It's a PBS show called Sendition, and it's Sendition is a Jane Austen novel that she never got to finish. She died while writing it and I think she basically wrote maybe two chapters of it and then it was finished by some guy my mom did all the looking up on it because she's the one who wanted to watch the show because I mean we love Jane Austen but she loves PBS shows so she actually went about and recorded it and it's it's interesting it definitely feels like it was not actually written by Jane Austen but it was trying to be written by Jane Austen it goes for a Ron, I don't want to say raunchy because it's still a Jane Austen show, but it's <laughs> slightly raunchier, like more sexual forward than other Jane Austen shows. I really like the main character. She's very much an Elizabeth kind of sort of strong-willed, independent character that don't need no man. <laughs> but And the the main guy character is also very much a Darcy archetype of, just, you know, why are you questioning me? And, you know, why are you assuming things? And it's, and it's very interesting. It's about, Sendition is a town that's sort of a guy is trying to build into like basically like a holiday getaway, like along the ocean. 
And so you learn a lot about those, like all, all I could think of is comparing it to like Bath or something, but like a resort version of the town of Bath that is on the ocean, okay. like a little resort getaway. So he's trying to turn it into that and like trying to use rich people. And this girl ends up saving the brother that's trying to do this. And they kind of like adopt her in a way because she's a young teenager and they or a young woman and they kind of like take her and sort of become her ward temporarily. But that's sort of the beginning of the plot is she's like this farm girl who's now in this holiday sort of town and she loves architecture. And so she wants to help build up this town up and she kind of sort of has a thing with a, one of the brothers that is a jerk. So (laughs) there you go. And then an architect and there's a bunch of side characters it's really great. I really like it. Um, the problem is, is that my mom looked up everything about it and she found out the ending of it. And apparently people are really pissed off at the ending because it's the most un-Jane Austen ending ever. <laughs> In which basically the characters that are supposed to end up together apparently don't end up together. I don't know if that's how the show takes it or not, but... I'm not going to be happy with it. So I'm like, <laughs> I was going to say, I'm trying to like, <laughs> up until this very moment, I was, I was going to be like, Jessica, you were a lot more upset about this show when we talked about it last. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm trying to be nice. Cause it is a good show. Like, I don't want to be like, it sucks, but it, it, it's a good show. Like just cause it doesn't end how I want it to. doesn't mean it's not good. It just means it's not my romantic soul heart. Good. Like, <laughs> um, I'm still enjoying watching it. I'm still watching it, even though I know I'm probably not going to like the ending. Like, it's still really well. It is like watching a Jane Austen movie. Like, it's it's really well done. It's all the characters are great. It's well written. It's interesting. It it looks really nice. It makes you want to travel to Oceanside, England. Like, it's it's wonderful. I just I'm going to be very upset. At the ending. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to hope maybe they changed it. Mm-hmm. I don't think they did. But. <laughs> like, like they just patched it. I don't know. I, and I feel it. like it might be just as a writer, it kind of pisses me off that like somebody would finish it in a way that she totally wouldn't have finished it. Like she's one for a happy ending and for doing this. And this is not how you like, no, that's not how, but I haven't actually seen the ending myself. So I can't, really judge finally if it actually is the right ending or not as opposed to just reading off the wikipedia page how it ends you know <laughs> sometimes it may it may play out differently when i see it i don't know i don't have high hopes though but i'm still watching it so there's that pbs i don't know where you can find pbs stuff we record it so I was like, that, that might be the actual PBS tagline. Like, if PBS was sponsoring this podcast, it'd be like, okay, go ahead and use our sponsorship code to get your deal on PBS, like your free month. PBS. We don't know where you can get PBS things. <laughs> I mean, does PBS have an app yet? They have to have a, an app, right? No, they I don't. I don't think they do. They might have an add-on to Amazon. I'm not for sure. And I, I don't think the add on's called PBS, though. I just know some PBS shows you can find on Amazon, uh, but you have to pay extra for them, I think. PBS has made one million good things over the years. And oh, yeah, they'll make great th- things. PBS wasn't just publicly available in Yuma, Arizona in this kind of way. And so 
I was just missing out on all of the good mm-hmm. educational content as a kid. Mm, they had yeah. wonderful documentaries. I think yeah. PBS oh, even yeah. sponsored like the into the the the, the realms of the unreal, yeah. the art documentary about Henry Darger. Like they did some, they have some amazing things, and I just can't get a hold of them anywhere. And yeah, so now I, I have, have just given up. I have a recording of they did, and I can't remember what it's called, but they did a a huge thing on Shakespeare where actors are just doing Shakespeare monologues. And, and stuff and and acts and stuff in the play like like really good actors doing it i have that recorded so like they do awesome things like that and they have awesome concert series too and they have like the really good bbc bbc shows on there and stuff like that like but yeah i'm like what can you like i'll pay for a subscription service because <laughs> i can't remember how to record these things like and sometimes i just need to scroll through and select the thing i want to watch there is Honestly, there is a PBS video app. Hmm. Wait, no, hold up. Wait, 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 wait. Wait. Guys, I, I want to, everyone kick in a, a guess for the name. And it, like, it's, it's probably just going to be PBS Plus because everything is just whatever PBS plus now. But it, it, what, what do you guys have here? I'm, I'm betting it's just PBS Video. Yeah. Okay. PBS John? On The Go. Ooh. PBS Go? Yeah, that might PBS be it. PBS Go, there we go. What do you got, Sean? I'm going to say um, PBS Mobile. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I wish I had a good one for this or something, something catchy, but I think it's just going to be PBS Video. It is just PBS Video. <laughs> they're, just, they're, they're a video station. Everything should be called PBS Video unless it's audio only. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. They're public broadcasting, man. You can't expect them to get too extravagant. Yep. I, just, they, they should have one just, of the PBS the, the drives to get a better name. It's just the PBS <laughs> video in. app. Yep. That's it. I don't know. I, I don't know what yep. to tell you. Dang. <laughs> but yeah, you can uh, get it on your. And all your different devices. <laughs> Ooh, I'll have to look at the collection they have. But Sorry, um, I just figured we had to settle this nope. issue now. Yeah, no, that's fine. Now I know. Now I'll look at it and see what I can get. Because um, sometimes it's a trick. Sometimes it's like just clips of things or just like one episode of something. And it's like, find this on your local well, PBS station. <laughs> The PBS.org page says stream 4,000 plus PBS and local shows on demand, including the Masterpieces, Frontline, PBS NewsHour. Not the Masterpieces. Damn. Okay. All right. Sold. So. Write that down. Video. Hmm. Okay, I feel like all all the big companies. This is uh, never mind. I, I I don't need to talk about this right now. <laughs> Jesse, just, you got, you got just, any more things you want? Just, the thought of Stephen giving um, up on PBS just hurt me too much. I had to find out. <laughs> I was I was bored one day, so and I wanted to watch a documentary, so I just watched a simple documentary. I think it was called The Engineers of. Um, Petra, so the the lost city of Petra, it was about how they they built it, which there was a lot more than I thought there was, 
Because all you, all I know is like that initial one building in the rock that you see in like Indiana Jones and all. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but and it was really interesting. It was a really good documentary that was on Disney Plus through National Geographic. I think they have a bunch of other ones because I think it, it instantly took me to like something about um, Pompeii. And so it's kind of sort of a series, but not quite. Um, but it was really cool to see a documentary just on the engineering aspects of a culture over like the entire culture, um, especially since there's such like it's so amazing all the things that they built back then. And nowadays we're just like, how did you even lift that rock and get it down there? Like back, you know, before you had cranes and stuff. And so I, I find old technology very, very fascinating. So that was a cool one hour documentary on Disney Plus. Um also, on YouTube, I've been watching Cinema Therapy, in which it's a professional psychiatrist and a filmmaker, and I don't remember their names, and I should have written them down, but they basically watch a film together and they react to it, and the, you know, the psychiatrist points out what it is an example of within psychiatry. So one of the things, one of the videos I really liked was they took the movie, the Disney movie Tangled, and they showed how it shows the, I think it's 11 examples of gaslighting. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's what um, wow. Rapunzel's mother Gothel does to mm-hmm. Rapunzel is gaslights her the entire movie. And literally you get every single example of it, which is really good because people should understand what gaslighting is and <clears throat> how toxic it can be. And, um, and they did, I think, Twilight and Relationships. They did Inside Out and how brain development works and memory works. And it's, I think they did one on Die Hard and I think it was on uh-huh. Rekindling Relationships or, or something like that. I didn't watch that one. I just saw it. And, but they, it, it's, it's, to me, it's interesting because I have a psychology background and then I love film and I love pointing these things out when I'm watching films too. Like, oh, this is a great example of this. So it's really cool to see a prof- two professionals do it kind of sort of side by side. And I think they do a wonderful job. And yeah, I highly recommend Cinema Therapy on YouTube. And I like this idea I, a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful idea. I think they've been doing it too. I don't even know how it popped up. I think I was probably watching a bunch of stuff about Disney or something and the Tangled episode or something popped up and I was like, what, what is this? And it's just like, cool. (laughs) When you first started describing it, I was like, do they just like record it like a mystery science theater 3000 kind of thing? And then they're just like, Oh no, no, that's that's super Freudian right now. But (laughs) I'm glad to learn that it's much more complex than that. No, it's, it's much more complex. Um, I feel like they do make a reference in one of the videos to mystery science 3000 though. So like, um, but, um, no, it, it really is. This guy is, is really showing, yeah, this is a good example of gaslighting and here's why and all that. And the, the filmmaker guy does the filmmaking aspect of it and points out like how they use the film to show these aspects of psychology. And also, I guess he goes to the psychiatrist for therapy as well. So it's, I mean, they're friends now, so I assume he's not still going to him, but like, um, it's it's just really cool way to look at film, like a different way to look at and critique film in a way. I think okay. they, they also did for Christmas, they did It's a Wonderful Life. And like the filmmaker aspect of it is how like 
the whole film is one act and then it's the second act, which I never really noticed how unique the writing it of It's a Wonderful Life is until I watched that and like, oh yeah, I guess it is really different writing aspect and directing aspect for a movie. And yeah, it's it's highly great. Really recommend it on YouTube. Like and subscribe them. They're they're wonderful. You'll learn a lot about basics of psychology and how film can show you the basics of psychology as well. And I did end up watching Soul on Disney Plus as well, which I know has been really hit or miss with people. I really liked it, but I will say I openly like jazz, so I was going to like it for the soundtrack alone. I also really liked the the music they did in the the other place, but um, it's kind of sort of bad trick. It's... Um, it's Trevor that does the music, not Trevor. What's his name? No, you, no, no one tell her. Oh. No, no one tell her. No, What's no one name? tell her. <laughs> no, I looked it up and I went, "Hey, that's the guy that did that one song." <laughs> Watch. He it. was in that band. <laughs> yes, I know. I can't remember his name, but he does the music for it, and I was like, "Yeah, Nolan." Nope. No. <laughs> Damn it. Just from Nine Inch Nails. Somebody nope. put her out of her misery. Stop. Help me. <laughs> That's not nice. It's, it's Trent really Reznor. Trent Reznor and Atticus Trent Ross. Nice. Okay. Good good job. Trent Reznor and there I got you. Trevor. I mean, it's close. <laughs> it was, you you kind of combined both his names. I did. <laughs> this was fun. I had an early shift and it's Friday. Okay, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already mad. Um, I liked it. Um, I will openly admit, though, I wasn't fully paying attention to it because I had some distracting things happening at the time when I was watching it. Um, it's probably, it's not my favorite Pixar film. And I also, I, I'm still debating whether or not it was a kid's film or not. I get that one. I, I get that one. Like, all the jokes were really adult geared. Like, I, okay, so my favorite part well, I have several favorite parts, but the quiet coyote part that she uses to calm down the kids, I was like, I'm stealing that as a daycare <laughs> teacher, quiet coyote. Like, that's just great. Um, but the Carl Jung joke was just, it was great as somebody who has a background in psychology, but I don't know any child that's going to understand that Carl Jung joke or Mother Teresa joke or I, any, no, like the, any the, of the these mo- jokes. The movie, I don't think the movie in general is one that's, for kids like even if you just think of like the actual themes that they're going through in that movie no little kid is going to be like ah no yeah i gotta got i have to stop getting so caught up in the day-to-day and just live to live you know no no little kid is in that spot they're just like no No, give me my skittios and i'm gonna go out there and play because kids already live i'm like like oh like this is a very like they kind of sort of touched on this theme kind of in inside out but inside out kids can understand and kids can like because they had those caricatures of the emotions and inside out is one of an excellent way in therapy to explain emotions to children as well it's an excellent movie for showcasing emotions and and how we feel and how important it is to feel all of our emotions and not just be happy all the time but this one i'm like it's not a concept that kids are going to understand that they're even ready to understand or just like me, I understood. I was 22, like five years ago. Like I get this, like, but like 
I'm still kind of 22 a bit, but like <laughs> I get this, but I'm the more I lay more like I like this, but I really don't Wait, see myself how old are you really? <laughs> <laughs> I am 26 for life now. That's that's where I've reached. <laughs> I'm now forever 26. But <laughs> that, that's this you can trademark that. Yeah. <laughs> but um but yeah, I, I, like although I liked it and the soundtrack is like I said, wonderful. I actually have played it at work already. I usually play jazz at work all the time with the kids that I work with because it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful form of music for mm-hmm. their brains. And the fact that it's kind of sort of jazz mixed with this abstract sort of almost white noisy kind of sort of, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just electronica Techno, kind of stuff. Techno, electronica, but like, like a house? smoother electronica. House, there we go. Yeah. It's it's an excellent soundtrack to play throughout the day. So I don't like I can't I can't hate on it, but I, I do understand why people can hate on it. It definitely is a movie that is mixed messaged, I think. And it kinda depends on where you're at in life and the message that you get from it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I would agree. Also like <laughs> someone just gotta check on Pete Doctor. Is he okay? <laughs> I'm sure that this these these movies are just a way for him to work through things, so he's probably better than most. <laughs> yeah, that's fair, probably. honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean, personally, I just was kind of bored throughout the whole movie. I just didn't I didn't hate it. I didn't love love it. I just it was just a, a movie. To, it it kind of was like Cars yeah. for me. If I'm t- thinking of another Pixar movie. Yeah. No, I could I could definitely see that. I didn't particularly care for for it, but as you and I discussed at great length, uh, we got very different messages from the movie. So, yeah. <laughs> and uh-huh. at some point, we do have to wrap this podcast up and let John and <laughs> Mitch do their parts. So I know we won't get into it here. I do. I do want to say like one more thing. I'm wondering if it's a different mixed message for people who are introverted and people who are extroverted. Could be. Could very well be. It could definitely hit differently. I, kinda, for... I, I wonder because I it did notice that my extroverted friends got the wrong message from it and my introverted friends got the right message or the supposed, the, the one the director said was the message, but like, <laughs> I don't think Thanks. Thanks, Jessica. They got the wrong one. I see how it is. Because a piece of art is, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter what the writer wants the message to be. If that's the message that you get, then that's the message that you get. Like yeah. it's, the wrong one. There is no right or wrong. It's <laughs> Friday. <laughs> it's late. I'm going to blame it on the third glass of wine. It's fine. <laughs> okay. So Soul's on Disney Plus. <laughs> Soul is on Disney yes. Plus. Uh, anything else, Jessica? Uh, I've been playing a lot of Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and it's great, and it's wonderful. And if you don't like Assassin's Creed, play it anyway. <laughs> there you go. Just make sure you play it. John, what did you watch over the holiday season? Um, I kind of forgot already. Um, uh, <laughs> how many how many glasses of wine in are you? <laughs> None. I'm I'm sans wine at the moment, unfortunately. Such but, a shame. Uh, thankfully, I did have all these windows popped up with all of the uh, IMDb pages for the things I watched. So let me just quickly recap. Okay, so I got caught up on two shows I like. Um, they released new seasons of Big Mouth and Cobra Kai. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So I got both of those under my belt. Big Mouth Season 4 just came out, uh, I think it was in October, actually. And Cobra Kai just this last week or so, I think. Yep. Um, I think I pinched it all in, like on a Saturday. And uh, it was great. I loved it. Um, quick, quick question. If you like the show Big Mouth, you would like the show Cobra Kai, right? Like a person who watches Big Mouth would like Cobra Kai? No, because I don't like Big don't, Mouth, but I like Cobra Kai. I don't, I don't think there's a clear okay. correlation. <laughs> All right, fine. I'm trying to get my dad to watch Cobra Kai. And he likes and I know Big, he does he like Big, Big Mouth? Mouth. Yeah, he does. Oh, wow. I, yeah, he watches it all on his own. I I have no interest in that show, but I'm trying to get okay. him to watch Cobra Kai. But he won't <laughs> yeah, do well, it. <laughs> Cobra Kai's just if, good. Yeah, okay. if he's a fan, if he, if he's a fan of the '80s, or if he liked Karate Kid in any way, I mean, that's already going to be the demographic for him. I feel like he can't get into it because he considers it a fad. So. No, it just put put on the first episode in the time where you know he'll be around and he'll enjoy it. My okay. my like grumpy ass ancient parents, <laughs> even they were like, "No, this is great. This is wonderful." Okay, <laughs> all right. My dad never sits through anything. He just, he always just goes like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go to bed," all the time. Yeah. And he sat through the first two episodes of Cobra Kai, enjoying it. Okay, all right. I'll just put it on then. Thank you for that. <laughs> Right. Just force it upon um, him, Jessica. That's what everybody's <laughs> telling you. Without his consent, just force it upon him. Yes. Um, well, I guess just to summarize, uh, I'll start with Cobra Kai because that's the easier one to kind of really wrap up. Um, season, what are they on? Three now? Three. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is this is the first official Netflix-only season. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I really enjoyed... 99% of it. Um, <laughs> there's one particular thing. So this is basically a soap opera. Yes. Uh, they just go through some really ridiculous ups and downs with the story. And uh, like most of the plot devices have to do with miscommunication or characters just not telling each other information that would be very vital. And not calling the and, cops when they should. <laughs> so that's... and. I mean, I love all the fan service stuff that they do. The callbacks to the old sh- to to the movies, uh, the the guest appearances. This one was really big for cameos yeah. this season. And um, so, without giving too much away, there's just one little detour that Daniel San takes <laughs> in, in Okinawa. And I mean, if if any of that means anything to you, that you already know, like somehow <laughs> what to expect with that. But there was one additional cameo on top of all of the other ones in that one little arc of the story. And that person's relation to the story and their overall effect to the plotline of the season was so eye-rolling. <laughs> I, mean, I just can't... <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what the show is. Everything works out for everybody. This- you know, this, this that was one the really biggest... choked the shark for me. I mean, that, like was... that one little, I mean, obviously, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. That one little detail that just happened to work out so perfectly for Daniel LaRusso that's just like, wow, really? Wow. Like that, <laughs> this, this person, that, this, to, to like, wow. Like it, it almost seriously kind of just ruins the kind of spectator experience because I'm like, okay, this feels just bullshit now. I mean, but I was able to 
Hasta, they quickly just kind of like they don't even mention any of that at after it happens, which is completely like you could take out that whole little arc. And it's like it wouldn't even have happened or had an effect on the overall story. It was just literally an excuse for Daniel to go to Japan to meet up with some old friends and enemies. Uh, don't want to say too much, but you already know where it's going if you've seen the damn movie. Um, I did love, however, again, there was <laughs> a uh, another cameo that was very strongly hinted at at the end of season two. Uh, finally comes to realization. And I love how, you know, up until now, there's been Daniel's side of the story and uh, Johnny Lawrence's side of the story. And so somebody else comes along and say, okay, well, there's also the truth. And (laughs) this person giving some insight on some situations that I was really looking forward to, it always rubbed me wrong how at the very beginning of Karate Kid 2, he basically shows up with the car all wrecked and blames it on Ali, played by uh, Elizabeth Shue. And he says, can you believe it? She left me for some other guy and blah, blah, blah. And I was so mad. I crashed the car. And Mr. McGowan was like, okay, well, we can fix it. Calm down, dude. Um, so now we get her side of that story. And you find out, oh, that actually wasn't how it happened at all either. Which so makes perfect Daniel sense. pulled a Johnny Lawrence in this in this situation. No, it, it, like for that one, imagine if one of your friends was like, yeah, and I was so mad. I crashed my car. You would be like, I don't think that's how that went. That's happened. That's happened. I, I know a couple of people. You know one person mm-hmm. that I know that has been through something like this. So yep. interesting. Yeah, it's, it, it's a thing. <laughs> I'm curious. So, so yeah, <laughs> I wanted to talk about, cause this was going to be one of the shows that I talked about too. And I, I, I enjoy the show. I enjoy the show a lot. The thing is, is though, I recognize that the only reason why I enjoy this show is because of the nostalgia. Like it's, yep. it doesn't have much else in the way of writing the kid actors acting wise is pretty horrendous. Like it's, it's what do you mean? Hawk is so good. Especially Tori as the one that I find the most cringy and I don't know. Sam seems pretty bad too. Like how to either way. Oh yeah. They're like the Miguel actor. No, none of the actors other than, than Hawk, like Hawk, I think pulls off his role, (laughs) but like, uh, everybody else is they're 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 pretty decent like kid stunt actors, but kid actors not so great. Like they're just need they need more training, they need more experience, it's, and it's only going to come with getting more roles. So I'm happy that they're all doing well with this show. Um, th- uh, like there's so much. S- I always want to ask people that love this show and talk about how much they love the show. Do they love it for getting to uh, come back and see all these old characters from the movies or is it they're loving the new storylines? Cause like that's no. what you get with the Mandalorian. <laughs> no, yeah. uh-uh. The Mandalorian <laughs> is, is people loving it because you get a whole bunch of cool nostalgia stuff and then kick ass storyline going forward. Right? Like with new, new characters, but this show, like, the kids' stories are just rehashing the stories from the movies. And then the adults are so dumb 
that they don't really seem to understand how to deal with their own kids. And it's it's just it's sometimes hard to watch. Uh there was a oh, and then the other thing they're doing with this season, but they've been doing it throughout the whole show, but they're doing it more with this season is that and I'm I'll be the first one to be like, you need to give more character development to everybody. But everybody is being as the you know the the sympathetic villain like gets old. <laughs> we get a backstory for John Kreese's character, and it's very similar to Mr. Miyagi's backstory. And I'm just like that kind of hurt me a little bit. Like that was Miyagi's thing. You took that. You cut. You're kind of taking that away from him. Well, not only that, because I was going to mention that also. But in the last time I talked about watching Karate Kid or Cobra Kai, I mentioned how pretty much everybody is building on or has some kind of redemption arc. And the only one that seems to be irredeemable is John Kreese. Nope. And now they're showing you his tragic past and how he came to be. And like, I'm just like, wow, I, I Literally, you know, at first I thought we were going to see like a younger version of Mr. Miyagi when they started first introducing because you see the old car. Yep. And you see a diner and you see this dude who's the jock who's being a total douche. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking, okay, who's this guy? I was like, oh, somebody's working here. Maybe they're Mr. Miyagi, you know, or something. I don't know. Did you think he was John Kreese (laughs) doing the the little um, Goldie Wilson thing from Back to the Future? Like he's the guy that sweeps the, the little milkshake shop or whatever, the malt shop. And he's the one that's getting bullied by the the jock and this other dude. And they're saying, oh, isn't that the guy whose mom killed herself? Like, oh, he's such a freak. You know, like making fun of him for having a suicidal mom and whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Then they give him a love interest. And it seems like, like, well, and not only that, but he saves this woman from that abusive jock. She goes with him because that's how it works in the old days. (laughs) Um, And then uh, while he's in the military... His commanding officer keeps a letter from him so that he doesn't lose focus that she was killed in a car accident. And he's all talking about how, oh, yeah, I got something to live for when I come back home, blah, blah, blah. And the the, the captain's just kind of like smirking like, yeah, no, you don't. And then when it comes down to like a battle for survival between the two of them, that's when he decides to pull that, that little piece of information out to maybe give him an edge, I guess. And no, that actually is the exact opposite of what he expected. <laughs> it just infuriates Crease even more to the point where even after the technically the war is over, Crease just flat out says, no, nah, I'm leaving you to die here <laughs> when there was no need for that. I'm like, wow. OK, so maybe not so irredeemable, but we understand his tragic backstory now more. <laughs> so if you're still feeling a little conflicted and you don't want to. I, and, and yeah, that's. <laughs> And I Interesting. Get, I get it. Like the, for the the younger people that are watching the show, show them that there's two sides to every story. You know, people people are a way they are for a reason, kind of thing. But it's like I don't need I don't need yeah. to feel sympathetic for for John Kreese. He's been a bad guy for forty years. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just keep it that way. <laughs> oh, we lost John. <clears throat> he knows how to be a bully, though. Yep. Yes. So, because he knows when to be abusive and when to play the victim, and he mm. does that expertly in this season <laughs> against uh, Daniel Larusso's wife, who, by the way, I hadn't really noticed before, but she's kind of a hottie. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I wasn't like, really paying that much attention, <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, she's kind of cool." She didn't really have a lot 
to like do honestly in kind of the the entire rest of the series like leading up to here so. yeah third season she actually gets more of a role for herself mm-hmm. meanwhile yeah. uh daniel's son is less in the show than he's ever been yeah. i think he was like in one scene <laughs> which is fine because he's a terrible character <laughs> wasn't he was he also recast i think so because he looked a lot slimmer than he they did in the last season. Well, he's also you know he's a teenager. Like the real he, the real actor is just a teenager mm. going through puberty. Yeah, but his, you know, his whole thing is that he eats you know? all the time. So he'll he'll come back at the turn of the tide. All right. So <laughs> Big Mouth, did you want to move on to that one? Or you? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think I'm done with uh, Cobra Kai. Watch it if you like the '80s or nostalgia or Karate Kid. Um, and also, we're going to see a lot more cameos because there's still people that haven't brought back from the originals. <laughs> I'm hoping for Hillary Swank. Yeah, I'm point. holding out for Hillary Dude, Swank also. Yeah, honestly, yeah, that, that's the one that I, I, I'm waiting for. The, like, they're also kind of at a point where they're losing some people who they could have cameos from. You know? True. Yeah. They actually dedicated one of the episodes to someone that was in last season because he really did die of cancer, just like yeah. his character did in the show, which is kind of sad. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so moving on to Big Mouth. Uh, season four, I really like this show uh, because on the surface, it's very crass and perverted. I mean, it's basically about a bunch of teenagers in high school coming of age, going through puberty, all the weird stuff that they're going through. One of them is like addicted to masturbation, you know, and a girl's going through her like, you know, menstruation for the first time. So the way that they portray that is by actually having an animated like her lower area is actually animated and voiced by Kristen Wiig. (laughs) <laughs> and basically talks her through like what she's going through. I mean, and this this show is great for cameos. It has Seth Rogen, <laughs> Maya Rudolph, I mean John Mulaney, uh, Kroll, Nick Kroll. There's mm-hmm. a lot of really good talent in the show. And like I said, on the surface, I think we lost Jess now. <laughs> you have to watch it just for that, just that scene. <laughs> I don't know how how you summarize this show because like so Ian likes the show, and kind of like in that spot where it's like. I like, I like Rick and Morty for some parts, mm-hmm. d- like in spite of the rest of it. That's the mm-hmm. way that that Ian's kind of described yeah. this series. Okay, definitely. This show is not for everyone, and there's going to be some things that you might not like, but you might like it on the whole. Um, and that's one of the things. So, like again, on the surface, it's very, very perverted sense of humor. It's right up my alley when it comes to that. It's also very meta, and it is also on a deeper level very thoughtful because these are kids i mean they're all adults like jay manzukas is one of the characters who throughout the course of the show discovers that he's actually bi um and he has two older brothers who are very very not open-minded um and he, he has a father who's never there and a very promiscuous mother and he's usually like alone all the time so he like likes to do magic as a way of dealing with all of these different issues and suppressing his emotions. But he starts to like kind of let that go a little bit as the series progresses. And you really see a lot of character development for pretty much everyone. I mean, everyone goes through these different arcs, both in the show and out of the show too. Something I thought was really interesting on this particular season is, so there's a character who's half black, half Jew called um, Missy, Missy Foreman. Uh, who was played by Jenny Slate, who mm-hmm. is not 
half black, uh, but definitely totally Jew. And she, it, I feel like it, there, there should be an ish in there. <laughs> Jewish, yes, <laughs> Jewish. She's she's a uh, she's Jewy. Um, no, but uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, uh, it, it, this show does those kinds of jokes. That's why I'm still like infected by it. But anyway, um, so during the summer when they were going through a lot of the Black Lives Matter movements. Um, which feels like it sounds like it's only a fad that actually should still be a continuing thing, but it gained some traction during the summer for obvious reasons. Um, she actually stepped forward and was like, you know what? I don't feel comfortable voicing a black character anymore. I feel like that should actually be voiced by a black actor. So she actually, during the course of the show, they worked it into the story where she has sort of a transformation and Jenny Slate basically retires the character to someone else. It's still the same character, but there is both a figurative, metaphorical, and physical change to the character, which all ties in really well. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the characters go through some interesting arcs as well with uh, just real life stuff. I mean, one of the girls, the aforementioned girl that was experiencing menstruation in the first season now has her first kind of real boyfriend. And he's an older artist guy. So oh, no. that, yeah. That's not good. You, you what do you know. mean? What you do you know. mean? <laughs> an, yeah. older, an older artist guy who is with a high schooler is always a bad combination. <laughs> that's a horrible yep. it's, it's the with a and, high schooler that's, that's the bad combination. And that is exactly as bad as you're probably imagining, yeah. And so it's a learning experience for her, to say the least. Um but then some of the other storylines are also kind of flippant. Uh, one character uh, has a cousin that lives in Florida. I don't know. I think they live like close to New York in the show, like suburbs of New York, but still close enough. And one of the characters, the before mentioned masturbation addict, has a hot cousin that lives in Florida, and they start accidentally sexting with each other. Oh, and God. you know, Ugh. yeah, and it just becomes like a plot line where they get caught by their parents, and yeah, you know, it like it's ridiculous it's kind of gross but there's actual real stories in here that i'm sure i mean you might not relate to the cousin thing but there'll probably be a plot line or two that happens where you're like oh yeah and this just kind of is like a summary of like the the, the you know growing up experience in modern america so like that for that reason alone i thought it was really neat there's a lot of really cool there's a gay character who like throughout the four the four seasons is kind of, I mean, not wait, really wait, in wait, the wait, closet. Hold on, hold on, four seasons, like the hotel or like Total Lawn and Garden. <laughs> no, I'm not Rudy Giuliani. I can tell the difference between uh, one location and the other. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so the four seasons of the show. Um, he kind of goes through his own, uh, you know, admitting to himself how he is, actually starting to maybe look into dating another guy, uh, and then coming out to his parents. Uh, his mom doesn't take it very well, and she tries to like tell him to like, no, you know, like you you should repress that. We can pray it away, basically. Blah blah blah. Don't tell your father; he's not going to take it well. And then when he finally talks to his dad, he just he had enough. He just finally says, you know, Dad, I need to talk to you about something. And as he starts to say it, the dad is actually like super chill about it. He was like, oh yeah, I mean, like. You don't think I've been raising you these last, like, 14, 16, whatever years? <laughs> like, I know my son. Like, yes, I mean, you are who you are. 
Mm-hmm. So, like, that was kind of a weird turn where, like, they were building it up that the father was just going to completely reject it and whatever. And it was kind of a nice little turn on that. And I was like, oh, you know, that was kind of a nice uh, way that that little thing worked out. But the real highlight of season four. I think I know what episode you're going to say already. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a Halloween episode. And uh, they go to a sorority for some reason. I can't remember the exact plot line. I'm terrified at this point. And all of the characters are given, I don't know, some kind of hallucinogen. I don't remember if it was ayahuasca, peyote, or something. (laughs) And they're all basically made to confront their demons. And one of the characters, the masturbation addict, it turns out he actually does it all the time because he's incredibly scared of dying. And, like, that's one of the few ways he can kind of, like, fight that morbid, like, existential (laughs) dread. Um what? So he he starts going through this trip where he's constantly dying. And they do it to the tune of Gotta Get Up. <laughs> and the best part of all, at one point he ends up in an elevator and lo and behold, <laughs> Natasha Leone is in the elevator with him. <laughs> And uh, the character says, Natasha, hey, how you doing? And she does her, you know, usual gruff voice, like, hey, rah, 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 whatever. Like, I can't remember what she says. <laughs> and then they both die together. And that was like that whole, how that whole little <laughs> thing happened. That's, no, that, that's pretty much it, honestly. It's not a lot. Whatever. But it sounds great. And I just thought it was such a great way to kind of end cap the whole viewing experience. With a good uh, reference to to that whole thing, and I loved it. It was great. Um, Big Mouth, I love it. It's not for everyone, and you probably won't like the whole show, but there will be, I guarantee you, something or another that you might relate to. And if anything, you could just watch it and just be appalled by just the sheer audacity of showing you animated talking, you know, private parts. <laughs> oh, and there's hormone monsters too, oh, and they're very God. perverted. Yeah, that's, I think that's the, one of the biggest things from the first season, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the hormone monster has these little, uh, you know, I that, you should discover that on your own. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to avoid I, discovery at this point. <laughs> I no, feel like no, ignorance like, might be bliss. <laughs> no, this, a recurring character. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, you, you, this is yours. Oh, I was going to say, there is a recurring character that I think only has one minor appearance in the fourth season. Uh, or season four, um, but that's a character played by uh, I think his name is Thewlin Davis. Thewlin, uh, the guy that plays um, Lupin in Harry Potter. Oh, okay, oh, yeah, 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 oh. yeah. and don't um, reference him to anyone here. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> he plays a character called the Shame Wizard, who basically looks like like a creepy man in a like a hood and he goes around infecting all of the characters with shame about their budding you know puberty and sexuality uh to make them you know feel embarrassed about what's going on like that's how he gets his powers by the more shame that teenagers feel um and i love that there's a running joke yes (laughs) and and there's a running joke where there's a character who's kind of uh special uh an adult that's basically like the the PE teacher at the school and he thinks that the guy's name because everybody can see him including this man and he thinks his name is Shane Lizard 
And he just keeps calling them that throughout the, the every appearance that he sees them in. He says, hey, Shane. He's like, why do you keep calling me that? Isn't that your name, Shane Lizard? And he says, no. And he's like, oh, and they actually end up becoming like really good friends just because that conversation started. Like, you know, he's drawing pictures of them together. And it's just the whole thing. It's kind of dumb but heartwarming at the same time. I hope so. Hopefully not with a Shane wizard. Thing, Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, said, she, oh, never mind. She just said, hopefully not with the shame wizard. <laughs> not with shame wizard. Um, and then there was one other documentary. I'm only halfway through with it on Netflix. It's called Break It All, the history of rock in Latin America. Mm. This is something I've been wanting for a long time, and I'm so glad they actually did it. And it's really good quality, too. It's really interesting because, um, I mean, as many of you might know or not know, uh, in the uh, podcast listening world, I myself am a little bit Hispanic. I'm a little so, bit rock and roll. Exactly. <laughs> and so I grew up with a lot of Spanish music in my life, and I liked a lot of Spanish rock because it had a different like tint to it than regular pop music in English did. And this actually was very informative because I got to see not just Mexico, but like, you know, South America as well, a lot of different countries. Uh, Peru, which I didn't realize had a really interesting. Uh, like acid rock movement in the 60s, like very Pink Floydish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they have some interesting sounds because one of the things they point out is how, you know, South American and Latin American countries always kind of feel like they catch up to American or British music. Um, you'll almost always have like a direct parallel, like, oh, you know, Elvis came out yeah. at this time. A couple years later, we have this guy in Mexico that does the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. like even some of the same songs just with Spanish lyrics. But it always happens, uh, as an interesting way of happening, that the music will evolve and it'll then get infected with like the local flavor, as it were. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you'll have something that starts off sounding like Chubby Checker doing the twist. And then it has a whole different feel to it with like different instruments that you normally wouldn't have in like, you know, a guitar or a bass and maybe like a keyboard and drums. Like, no, they start putting in some pan flutes and some weird like tribal drums in there. And it comes out completely different. And it's very, very tasty. Um, They have some interesting people commenting on there, too, like David Byrne from the Talking Heads, who was saying that, yeah, in the 70s, uh, he loved going to like certain record shops in New York because he would buy records from like other countries to just to hear like the different stuff that they were making, and he would get inspired by those. He was like, "Oh wow! Like I never would have thought of that. It was really cool stuff." Uh, and that one's called "Break It All." Uh, all of these shows that I have talked about so far are available on Netflix. Uh, interesting. Cool. Awesome. Is- that one sounds interesting. Yeah, there is a museum in the Phoenix area called the. I think it's. The Musical Instrument Museum. Yes. And it's filled with basically a bunch of musical instruments from around the world. And I think you would, if you found that documentary very fascinating, because it goes through all the countries. As, it's huge. You you have to have a whole day to get through the whole museum. We only had half a day and we did not get through all of it. Um, but it, I learned a lot about different musical instruments in from different countries and, and stuff like that and why music sounds different even within the same genres between the countries. It was, it was really cool. You should definitely go there one day. People should go to more museums. It's a great museum. <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially if they're still allowing people to go in there right now. Yeah, absolutely. I want to check that out. John, did you have anything else? 
Uh, okay, real quick, just this isn't really like a super watch. I just wanted to point out something that was brought to my attention. So a friend of mine that I haven't talked to in a long time and just kind of randomly hit me up with like, a, hey, you should check this out. Okay, how are you doing today? Don't hear from them for like 10 months. Whatever, that's just how this person is. But they sent me something that says, hey, I thought you would think this is funny. Um, so there's a Danish TV show that just got released called John Dillerman. That's probably what reminded her of me. Uh, just the first part of the name, I'm sure. Um, but this name translates to John Penis Man. And before I go any further, let me clarify. This is the children's show. This is like stop motion animation or something. Uh, and it, it's a, it's a character that's wearing like... Uh, you know, like those 1920s swimsuits that men would wear, where it's just like solid red stripes on like a white background? Oh, it's yeah. even better. That's what this man wears. And he also has a prehensile penis. Die! And the point of the show is. is that the penis gets him into trouble. Because it has yeah. a mind of its own. Uh, it's literally like 10 feet long. Like he uses it to grill while he's like working on his like garden. You're he uses it like- to like, it's a kid's show. It's literally this, a children's show. How is and Adult Swim not already directed to children? So, like, I feel like they have to have bought this and then redubbed it for English and <laughs> put it on Adult Swim as is. I mean, it's on YouTube if you want to see video clips of it, but it's definitely oh, no. done with like a with like a Thomas Tank Engine vibe to it, like you know, like miniatures and whatever. But it, it literally like he oh. goes on adventures. He fights off a lion with his penis in one episode to protect them children. Um, I'm so, still not convinced it's a kid's show. So the logic of this show, and don't be like, yeah, there's definitely some Danish authorities that also question its validity as a children's show. So Why? I'm kind of glad about that. Why would you ever question this? Oh my god! <laughs> I, I want like a Veggie Tale starring John Dillman. <laughs> like, the, like, like yes. the lion thing. That's like in the lion's den, like. They'll have, they'll, they'll, they'll have a tiger eggplant to come on the show. <laughs> oh, God. So, uh, anyway, um, this isn't the first show of this type to raise an eyebrow, though, in Denmark, apparently, because before this, there's another show that came out. I, I went in this weird rabbit hole about this, but there's a show called Ultra Strip Downs, and that sounds like that should be on, like, Spike TV or something. Yeah. yeah. No. Ultra Strip Downs is also a children's show that's meant to teach kids body positivity. Okay. So they will have a group of children in like a little auditorium, a small space with like a stage, and they'll bring out a nude person. And then they'll just have the kids ask the person questions about their body. And it's done in what is supposed to be the most neutral and <laughs> educational environment. It still looks creepy as hell, though. Like, I... I mean, I have a seven-year-old. I would not want her to be staring at another adult's naked body and be like, hey, what's that? You know, like, no, like, that just sounds weird. I'm torn on it because there's some things here that are good and some things here that are bad. I don't yeah. know. Other countries, I mean, it's people. It's people. People will ruin I mean, other, other countries are more open with nudity in general, like nude beaches and stuff. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, the body positive stuff is good yeah i I have far less issue with the body positivity one than this 
Penis man. Yeah. The, the penis man is yeah. also supposed to be a posi- body positive man. thing. Of like, hey, you know, like men have penises. That's just a thing. You don't have to be afraid of them or whatever. I was like, I, there's you better ways to spend that going after a lion. <laughs> I was saying. Yeah, especially when he's whipping it at the lion, too. He's doing, like, the whip crap and everything. <laughs> he's like, whoosh, whoosh. You can use it as a weapon. Don't be afraid. Yeah. There's things in there. It's like no one will ever feel bad about, like, is is my John Dillerman too small? You know? Because they'll understand that John Dillerman, the John Dillerman, he, his is cartoonishly large. No one is going to stack up to John Dillerman. So your you're John Willie is just fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once you go Dillerman, you can't go Regularman. <laughs> Okay. Can we, Mitch? What do you have? Can we? I think this is now. this is oh. where we need to change topics. I think I've said too much. Let's move on. No, it, it, honestly, I I'm blown away this exists. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I really am. But I'm also really terrified as to what what rabbit hole this group will go down if we continue on this path of of questioning at this late hour. Oh I've already forgotten that this happened. <laughs> Hence my concern. <laughs> so for myself, uh, one of the shows that I watched was Cobra Kai, and uh, I jumped in on John's to talk about that. Uh, to go you along with my leg, man. I, I just I sweeped at the leg. Sorry. Uh, to go along with that, you should check out Reunited Apart on YouTube. It's John Josh Gad's uh, show, which brings together a lot of your nostalgia. Uh, movies and and uh tv shows from well i guess it's just movies so he's done his latest episode was uh karate kid uh before that was they did splash they did back to the future they did um lord of the rings they've they've done he's done quite a bit and it's always to uh help raise money for a different type of benefit a different type of charity uh so it's usually good you get you get people together to talk about um this, how much they loved making a project back in the day and how it's affected a lot of people throughout time and, and just uh, it's a good watch. He actually does a really good job of interviewing people and getting people to come on and talk about it. Uh, to go along with that, so HBO Max, uh, I've been watching a lot of that. You could, And I watched Search Party. So I watched the... Search. Three seasons of Search Party that is that is on HBO Max. I believe those seasons originally aired on TBS, but now the fourth season is airing on HBO Max, and it is an HBO Max exclusive, I believe. Uh, it stars Aaliyah Shawkat, which I think most people remember her as maybe from uh, Arrested Development. And oh. Yeah. Uh, the show starts out, the first season starts out with... Uh, her character finding a missing persons poster on uh, on a street lamp or something like that, and she recognizes the lady in the poster. It's a quote unquote friend of hers from college. So she then goes and meets up with her other friends and says, "Oh look, so and so is is missing, like presumed dead. People are looking for her." And at the very end of the first episode, she sees this friend of hers in a restaurant and says oh no she's alive but everybody else thinks that she's dead and the whole thing is the whole first season is about her trying to help trying to find and on and she gets into 
uh, a whole bunch of things. Like there's a, a cult involved, and there is an ex boyfriend that's that's crazed, and you know it's it's a lot of things that could be the reason why she's missing and um, uh, presumed dead, even though she knows she she's not dead. Uh, it's a okay season show. Like I, it's very much the show that I have on when I'm editing or doing other things and I can easily follow the story, but not have to devote too much attention to. Uh, I don't know if I'll go into the fourth season or not. It does seem like it's a little bit more interesting because it is quite far from what it is in the first season of searching for this friend and why she went missing um, that were there at, at the end of the third season. Yeah. How do they get three seasons out of that? It's, uh, I mean, when you get to the end of the first season, they find her, they find the girl, they find the lady and she's basically like kind of just had a emotional breakdown and she left because the guy that she was seeing was married and he decided he wasn't going to leave his wife for her. So she just, uh, went and hung out at another friend's aunt's summer winter house or something like summer house in like Canada. And while they're there, they, uh, a private eye that, that was being put on to search for her comes breaks, like kind of breaks into the house and they kill him by accident. Well, kind of by accident. Um, and so the second season's all about trying to cover up that. And the third season's all about, oh, well, now they people know that he's dead and you're going to go to jail and all that kind of stuff. So that's uh, how the, the show gets dragged out. It's, it's, it's a lot of the same of like people just making dumb mistakes and making dumb decisions when they easily could have just been uh, cleared up by talking to the cops i i would say television yes television television drama <laughs> and it's it is and that's exactly what it is it's a comedy drama like it's not sitcomy but it's not it's not a police procedural either it's just somewhere in the middle and it's all very awkward kind of comedy mm-hmm. uh the other show that i watched on hbo max is the flight attendant which stars yeah. kaylee cuoco is that good uh, it is rather rather good. I just ha- I have okay. uh, some issue with what they portray in the show. Uh, I don't know if anybody else got got a chance to watch it. Uh, the premise of the show is she is a flight attendant. She meets a guy on her plane. She has a great night with him. She wakes up the next morning, finds blood on her hands, realizes the guy that she just slept with is dead because someone slit his throat in the bed. And of course, the cops think that she did it. Um, and well. she takes it upon herself to figure out who it is that actually killed him and why, why he's dead. But they do this weird thing throughout the whole episode or the whole season where she kind of, the caption calls it glitching and she kind of glitches out where even though she's in the middle of talking to someone in the real, in, in the real world, she goes into essentially what I can best describe it as is a memory palace and has a discussion with, uh, the 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 guy? the guy yeah like at first he has the the all the blood all over him and a gaping wound in his neck but as the episodes go on the blood like goes away and the wound closes up and like she's putting things together of like she's constantly having to so talk is, to him so she forgot everything that happened up until waking up 
Yes. Next to him. So it's basically her memory figuring itself out through a traumatic event. Yeah. That plus she's also bringing up a whole bunch of memories that she's repressed from her childhood about her father and her brother. Yes. I was going to say there. Yeah. So that sounds about right, actually. But her story goes. Mitch, this sounds like it would it would have been one of the shows that they put in this the same slot that like Crossing Jordan was in on NBC. I mean, this sounds like an NBC show where this would be like the thing that like this is so good, and then it gets one season. They switch the time slot they have it in halfway through <laughs> the season, and then you never hear about it again. Well, I'll tell you that they they have already assigned her for a second season. Um, okay, way to go. So it's. <laughs> It, I, but then again, HBO Max needs all the programming, original programming right now that they can get. So uh, I would say it's definitely worth the watch. I don't know if I'd come back for the second season, but it's definitely worth the watch. Okay. Uh, I think that's all I have. Those two shows. Those two shows. Oh, well, and the Josh Gad show. So because I was also going to talk about Cobra Guy. But I do want to plug that anybody that has HBO Max can now watch Warrior, which was on Cinemax. It's got the first and second season. I haven't watched the second season yet, but you should definitely give it a watch. It's a great show. It is... uh, I don't know... If anybody knows the story about Bruce Lee, he originally came up with the storyline for Kung Fu, which eventually went to David Carradine because they didn't want to have an Asian actor as a main lead on a primetime television show. Uh, So they gave that, that show to David Carradine, and then... This show is basically his ideas of what kung fu should have been. It's it's set in Ooh. it's set in uh, Chinatown, San Francisco. Uh, it would be the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds kind of time, and Ooh. it's it's real. It's it's all about how the the people that were in that town, like the Irish and the the Chinese, and they were fighting against each other, and everybody is very much. Uh, you know, looking out for their own and only their own. But the main character is there looking for his sister who was taken to America without him at some point. Mm. So, yeah. Kung, just, Kung Fu was way more popular than I would have thought it was just from seeing stuff about it. Now, the fact that it even gets sold as collected DVDs shocks me from having <laughs> seen any of what it looks like at all. <laughs> It was a very popular show back in the day, mm-hmm. leading into the '80s craze of kung fu and karate being everywhere, which gives us Karate Kid eventually. So, bringing it back around. It was Kung Fu: The Legend Continues, which like did a fast forward to modern times. It did, which was kind of <laughs> weird. Just, or was it just a remake? No, no, it was a fast forward because it was his son. It was Kane dealing with the son that he didn't know that he had, or he did know that he had. It just was estranged from. Huh. I'd listen, if you guys want to watch good martial arts stuff, just go watch Warriors of Virtue, okay? <laughs> no. <laughs> go watch uh, Surf Ninjas. There you That's go. That's a good movie, too. No, it's not. <laughs> he controls the world on his Sega Game Gear, Mitch. He, he <laughs> sees the world. He, he used a precog in it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I... I, I, I that was a, like a misexplanation on my part. <laughs> but you also have Leslie Nielsen doing this terrible Fu Manchu racist like caricature that is not good. And he has like a metal plate on his robot parts. <laughs> what is that movie? 
there's a young Rob Schneider in there and his hair's red. Why is his hair red? It, he's like obviously a good 15 years older than the other two actors that are playing teenagers. Yeah. Uh, That's why his hair is red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have <Or>, to distract. <laughs> All right. That is what we watched over the holiday season. This was a very long episode. I hope that uh, everybody got a little bit of enjoyment and found something new that they could binge or watch uh, from our recommendations. Um, if you'd like to talk to us, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Mitchipedia, G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. Jessica, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter as J.M. Bailey Writes. John? You can find me on Twitter at Magic Bollocks, hashtag John Dillerman. <laughs> <laughs> Steven? Uh, you can find me across all social media as Peppermint Gentleman uh, and where that full name won't fit as Peppermint Gent, like on Twitter. And Elizabeth? You can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media and our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. That's right. And if uh, you check out our website, geekleapmedia.com, you can find archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network. Uh, please check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash geekleapmedia for bonus material that you can only get there and nowhere else. Then make sure that you, whatever podcatcher you use to listen to us, rate and review us so it helps spread the word of our network. Mm-hmm. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geekly Media Network saying always remember to geek Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. 